said let's shift gears and welcome back to the show Richard Aberry Barry's Garden Center just in time I just turned it on too yeah I just <laughs> turned the mic on I'm sorry Jeff quite all right I, I don't get mad happens. I get even so, yeah I uh, guess so <laughs> yeah you brought in some fun stuff with I, you I got, we'll I got a few different things we'll get to that in just a second and uh but the big issue right now is, you know, we always talk about sod and what's going on with the sod. Tilt that up and then push it in too okay. low. Gotcha. I, I hit the mic coming on uh, for the listeners. I hit the mic coming on and, and pretty much almost blew his eardrums yes. out. But, but anyway. And anyone else wearing headphones probably. <laughs> I thought I heard somebody yell back yeah. there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, Sai, we always talk about the weed issues and the insect issues and the fungus issues. Well, the issue now is, and it's kind of being misdiagnosed, is, is the drought. And that's really what's causing a majority of the browning and yellowing. Now, obviously, if you have some little spots, it could be fungus issues, especially, uh, again, if we start again this weekend and we get these night temperatures back down in the lower 60s and 50s, that's when we start to see. So little spots in the yard that are browning is fungus, but the these broad sections of drying out is 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 uh, is, is uh, drought, and uh, so really what you want to do is when you do water, you want to water heavy, 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 at least an inch deep. And so you say, well, how are you going to measure that? Really, you know, if you if you have a sprinkler and you can put it on a slow setting and just let it go for <laughs> really a couple hours, and the only way to tell is to kind of watch it and check it. Obviously, you don't want a tremendous amount of runoff. So you don't want to put this, this water in all at once where it's going to run off and, and go down the drain. But you just want a, uh, a sprinkler to run uh, and so that it just saturates the uh, grass. It's, it's really becoming really critical. It's, uh, it is a, um, I mean, and, and the problem is there's no end in sight. You well, know? Th- there is a 40% on Wednesday now. Okay, well, there you go. But, so, but, again, that's just 40%, and that means he may get it, but you may not. You know? That's correct, you know, and uh, – so we, we really want to watch it uh, in terms of the grass, and, and that's kind of what we're telling the, the people who come in, and, and once we kind of diagnose that it isn't the fungus, that it's, it's probably a watering issue. And just uh, good, remember, the, uh, usually you're going to see the first damage in the sunshine, but remember, you know, trees take, will pull moisture too, so the tree is pulling moisture out of the ground. It could happen in the shade also. But, but usually between the sun and the drying out, we'll start occurring in the, sun, in the sun first, and then you may get some drying out in the shady areas. But we're seeing in sun situations and just these big swaths of browning and, uh, uh, you, know, you know, just like we talked in the, in the past, in, uh, two or three weeks ago, Jeff, we couldn't, we couldn't stay on top of cutting the lawn. <laughs> And now there's nothing to cut, and uh, you really don't want to do a lot of low cutting now, or, or any cutting now, if you if you don't, unless you just have to. And certainly, when it comes to spraying weeds, you got to be extremely careful because the you know the the grass is under stress. So maybe just a little spot spraying. Certainly, do not uh, fertilization. Uh, you know, normally this would be a great time to winterize, and uh, but it is not because it is so dry. So unless you can really saturate it, and then continue to do so. Uh, I would say right now, given you know the, the uh, how dry it is, you would do a good soaking uh, at least once a week, maybe twice a week. If you're going to fertilize, which we do not recommend, we have the winterizer ready to go, but we don't recommend it because um, you know unless you really stay on top and keep it really wet, you could do more damage than good. So just hang in there, wait till we get a good rain, then put it out. Then you may have to water it in, 
but that's okay. And well, it, what would be long-term effects if you do nothing? No watering, as far as watering. It, de- it, depends, on, uh, it depends on how dry it got. And uh, so if they continue to do so, it could theoretically kill the grass. Okay. And so you don't want that to happen. Um, but, but the main thing is that, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of manicure their lawn and they really want it to look good and they've worked really hard and they've made it through the summer and the grass, you know, has, you know, they've stayed on top of everything. And then right now, when there's really a simple fix and that's just to water and, uh, and, and, and from that standpoint, because basically the temperatures are getting milder, it will not take much as opposed to if this was occurring in June or July or August, and, and it's really hot and really sun, you're going to really have to stay on top of it. And, and whereas now, just, you know, really once a week, if you soaked it really good, once a week will not get the grass growing, but it certainly will take the, uh, the edge off and take the stress off and allow that uh, uh, grass to, to maintain. I would imagine just like in the summer, better times to water? Well, when it comes to watering, and, and, and that's kind of true with everything, morning is always the best. And, but just keep in mind, when it comes to the lawn, you know, that's easiest, you know, to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I tell people, you know, if you can do it and you're willing to do it, do it anytime. The worst time would be late at night. Uh, but but still, I, it, it would be the, uh, uh, the ramifications of not doing it or uh, worse than the possibility of the fungus issues. Fungus issues usually occur... Uh, when you when you're weighing the grass, when you continue to do it, in other words, you, it's, it's constant. You say, well, "I'm gonna water at night here," and then two days later, you water again, and you continue to keep it wet. That's when you start to have the problem. So, a good soaking once a week shouldn't be a problem. Middle of the day is a non-issue too. A lot, we get a lot of questions on that too. They say, "Well, you know, what about scalding? You know, scalding. Well, scalding occurs when the ground is so saturated with moisture that there's no air pockets in there. That the the grass or any root can't pick up the water." And so the sun comes out and just burns it. There is no way you're going to be able to water that grass enough to get to that point. So, um, so if you have to water at high noon, obviously there's evaporation. It may take you a little bit more water. But, again, I would go ahead and do it uh, if you can. Gotcha. What else same, is on our mind? The, the same thing, same on the, on the water thing with containers, Jeff. We're seeing people calling saying the leaves are turning yellow and dropping. That's water. They're drying out. So, you know, you, you, would, you would think – People get into the habit and say, well, it used to be really hot. It was 95 degrees, and I was watering every day. Well, temperatures are now 85 and a little bit below and cool at night, so that plant doesn't need as much moisture. Uh, well, it does cause, because a container dries out yeah, so especially easily. Especially the sunshine we've had. Exactly. Well, but in the ground, they would be correct. You know, a, a plant in the ground, there's water that's, that stays in the soil much longer than in a pot. So I can, I can definitely see pots... Uh, depending on on the plant and the type of soil you have and the size of the pot, actually could still be having to be watered every day to prevent uh, to prevent yellowing or browning. Gotcha. So kind of keep that in mind. I did bring two uh, two plants for you, Jeff, and I want you to take a look at. I'm gonna slide this over to you and look at the top of the plant and see if you see anything there. And I'm gonna leave this with you, by the way. So, um, do you see anything in there? <laughs> looks like a little rod is sticking out well um it, it it does but look really close i want you to see right there under the under the leaves what i want you to look at and uh oh, Lord. what yeah. <laughs> 
And those are the ones I'm talking. That's aphids. I gave, I gave yeah, you a, a, a little buggy, a, a bunch of little bugs. I guess they must be hundreds on that one leaf. And the reason I bought it because those are kind of a reddish looking aphid, but uh, aphids will come in clear, white. I've seen a multitude of colors. It's very common. It's very easy to spray for. However, the plant I did bring here is uh, butterfly weed, or they call it uh, um, bloodleaf. Uh, plant and this will actually and I, I bought another gift and i'm gonna show this to you in just a second if i can find it jeff uh, this is the one we talk about and uh, it actually attracts larvae that the larvae will make the butterfly mm-hmm. you saw it yeah yeah and there was one big juicy one i couldn't find i was very disappointed i couldn't bring it in to show you but uh they grow very fast but, but the reason i said that you have the aphids on this one is that uh, the aphids are there, but you can't spray for it because if you spray for it, it will hurt. It will actually kill all the butterfly larvae, and so you don't want to do that. This is what this plant is for. It's uh, it's not what it's for, but it's utilized the the larvae that I showed Jeff here, which is basically a caterpillar. They will, if I go back to that little section I have in the store, there'll probably be twenty of these in and amongst those these plants only, uh, and maybe partially, but it's really mainly. Uh, 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 these plants, there'll be 20 of these hanging, and then in about, I think it's about seven days, they'll make these monarch butterflies that are very, very pretty. You don't want to spray for the aphids because it will kill the larvae. So uh, aphids are, are a pain, uh, and they are problematic, especially if you're trying to produce uh, um, uh, like vegetables. You need to spray for them. But in this case, you just really leave them alone and let them do their thing. There are actually some uh, you know, you know, uh, insects that will actually eat the, uh, the aphids that you see. And so just let it naturally occur. Uh, if this cycles out the way it would normally cycle out, Jeff, I would say we'll probably sell them by then. But uh, probably in about three weeks, if we did nothing to this plant, there would be no leaves left on it. Not, not because of the aphids. But because of the larvae would have just devoured every leaf, and uh, and and that would take care of the aphid, and so because uh, they have no food supply. So bottom line is is that but you don't have a plant then. You do, you oh, do, you because do. even though the leaves are gone, the plant's still alive, and it's going to flush out with new leaves. Okay, but you're correct. In order to continue to have the butterflies, uh, you know, uh, propagate and and uh, multiply. That's what happens is people think they have plenty of, uh, of these plants, and then all of a sudden they come in and say, I need more <laughs> leaves because they devoured it. But it's really an interesting cycle, and they're cycling out right now uh, as we speak. And, of course, in the wintertime, they're not going to really um, you know, have much activity. They, everything goes dormant, but they'll come out. But these plants, if they would get devoured, uh, they would actually come out in the spring, actually probably sooner than that, if the weather stays warm, which it usually does, they'll flush out. Uh, like in November. Gotcha. So interesting um, uh, plant uh, in the case. So I'm going to leave you the aphids and the uh, the caterpillar with you, Jeff. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so. Just see how uh, my my, uh, mums are doing there. I'm going to tell you, see, that is really good. How often do you water them, Jeff? Well, once a day. That's right. Not not a lot. Not a lot. It doesn't take much. I don't want it draining. I I need more uh, Saucers. Saucers. That's right. But Jeff, Jeff has shown us the, uh, you know, the garden mum that I left here a couple of weeks ago. And the garden mum uh, is critical that you keep those things wet. If you, if you do not keep it wet, it'll just, it'll just fry. 
yeah. and uh, very quickly. And uh, but yeah, that should last another you know two, three, four weeks in terms of flowering, and then it'll kind of head south from there. Very good. I think we have a caller on the line. Let's go to the phones and say hello. You're in the air. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, good morning, Mr. Bear. Good morning. It's Bobby Romero. I have a question for Mr. Bear. I have an American Beauty Berry yes. tree or bush, whatever bush. you want to call it like that. Mm-hmm. And it's doing beautiful. It's full of berries. I kind of Googled it, and it, and it said September, October to pick the berries when they get ripe, but I don't know anything about it. Could you fill me in a little bit on it? Okay. Uh, no. So they're So they're edible? Well, yeah, it's the American Beauty. You're not familiar with it too much. I, I am familiar with. It. I've never used. Uh, you know, actually, we have some. I'm not familiar with. It. I know it's a native. I know you see them in the wild, and uh, I know they make these purple berries this time of year. But I, uh, is it medicinal? They're using it for. Yeah, you can. Uh, the leaves are medicinal, and uh, the berries you can make wine and uh, jam with it. Uh, preserves right yeah that's what so so in, i don't have the recipe for anything and i don't know how to make the wine <laughs> so so in terms of harvest you don't you do not want to let them get soft so if they start getting soft you it's kind of past due okay well now is probably the time i, I think so yeah yeah you started i tasted uh, a couple of them yesterday and it they were bitter a couple of weeks back but now they're getting a little bit on the sweet side mm-hmm and the birds are loving them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was fixing to say. I know they use a lot of them for, you know, natural habitat, and the birds will will, uh, will devour them. Right. And, it's uh, a beautiful plant. It's it is a beautiful plant. And when you see them, they start to see them blooming kind of in the wild, and people will come, I mean, not blooming, with the berries, and, uh, and people will come looking for them. Well, okay, then. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pick them. I guess the way the branches are made, I wonder if you can just rub Pull your hand of the branch and just get all the berries. Or you probably could clip it. The branches are soft where you have, so you probably could just uh, clip them off. The branches, yeah, yeah. Okay. Those, those little stems, you can just take them off of that. And then, well, and then it's a full branch. They're on the branch, the big branch, and the branches are sprouting up from the bottom. Like it's like a, it's 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 more of a bush. I'm to explain. It's like twenty branches coming out from the ground, all in a cluster. And the berries are along that branch. It's not like a uh, like a uh, a trunk going on, you mm-hmm. know. It's like a bush. It's like a, a big bush. So I'm just gonna do what I can. <laughs> I'll figure it out. All right. Appreciate the call. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Three six seven twelve forty. If you do have a question, that's a native plant that uh, people come interested in when it's uh, right now when it starts to show these really purplish. Uh, berries that are very pretty. Obviously, I didn't realize yeah, humans could eat them, but uh, I knew the birds went for them, and and I knew they cooked them in some way, or or um, uh, and they would use them uh, in terms of medicinal reasons. I'm not sure what they were using them for. Gotcha. Okay, this is one I brought. Is this is just Swiss chard, but this is one of those uh, Swiss chards that they can actually use them for ornamental purposes and eating purposes. And you can see, Jeff, this has a reddish stem to it. And the actually the leaves will turn red. There's another variety that has yellow and red to it, and it makes a great little plant. You harvest it, and it keeps flushing back. You can eat Swiss chard uh, all winter long, and and it can be put in the container so it looks good or on the ground. Either way, but it's just a it's just a hardy, and people are using are getting more and more into uh, healthy things to eat, and Swiss chard is one.
Stupid question. Uh, you, you wash the leaves, I guess, before you consume them. Yeah, you do. And, and you know, uh, the truth is, I mean, obviously you could have a worm on there, right? Yeah. But, I mean, a worm ain't going to kill you. The worm is uh, pretty much protein. But there's dirt. You know, there's yeah. dirt. So you always you would always want to uh, would, would, uh, clean everything off. And, and, you know, when it comes to spraying with insecticides, it, I, I find it's very important that, you know, when we talk about organic, when we, we're talking about different herbs, and this would be an herb technically because you're, you're eating the leaves, but, um, you know, it's really tr- to try to stay uh, organic, as organic as you possibly can. And it's pretty easy to do in the fall as opposed to in the spring uh, where you can really maintain uh, natural uh, insecticides that will keep these plants very, very clean, and you won't have an issue in terms of, uh, uh, you know, ha- having to time it when you can harvest, when you can eat. And remember, when, it, when you're not using, um, uh, uh, when you're using insecticides, you know, I have a question. You know, we get a lot of questions is that when you're using non-organic insecticides and you spray a plant with that and they say the, uh, 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 the, the post-harvest period is seven days, you know, the question is, yeah, okay, seven days, but if I wash it, you're okay. And the answer is no. Uh, you, really, you really shouldn't harvest at all of the plant if there's a, if the post-harvest is seven days, you spray it with a chemical, and the post-harvest is seven days, that means you cannot harvest it for seven days. Then, obviously, you still clean it, but you wouldn't want to harvest it, wait seven days, and clean it. You want, the, you want the, uh, it to naturally get out of that plant, and they've been tested. So you might have some, some chemicals you spray on a certain plant, and the, and, the, and the harvest period is one day, meaning that you've got to wait one day after you spray it, and then you can harvest it. Uh, and would so, most insecticides uh, or herbicides uh, have labels that they, uh, make that clear? Absolutely. So, so when it comes to uh, insecticides that are uh, chemicals, they do have that, and they'll tell you exactly how many uh, how many days you need to do before you harvest. And, and the reason I'm getting to this is when it comes to organics, there's really no waiting period. Or they may see one day. I never understood why there's a one day, but it's usually a one day when you spray it, and the next day you could harvest. And it, it would seem senseless to spray it and then harvest and then, it right And then away. harvest. That's yeah. true. Unless, unless we're talking about uh, a tomato, whereas yeah. you might have 40 tomatoes on there, but only three that are ripe. So you still want to wait. But I guess what I'm telling you is, is that it gives you only a short window. Really, the organics are going to be a, a one-day window, and obviously that's much, much safer to pull off that way, and it does really, really well. Very good. I did bring in these, Jeff, because I, I got a bunch of the uh, violas, and it's the purple and gold violas. I'm trying to get rid of them before Saturday morning, uh, just in case. Uh huh. So <laughs> <laughs> they're the purple and gold. Purple and gold, and uh, uh, the uh, violas. I brought it in because I did bring some pansies in. Okay, and we talked about pansies. I I just brought pansies only because Jeff. Some people want them. They just planted a few, but really and truly, it's early. You know, this warm weather would really put a hit in, whereas the viola, which is basically the first cousin to the pansy, the biggest difference, Jeff, and you can see it just looking at it, is the size of the flower. Yeah. The viola may be, a, you know, half, three-quarters inch in diameter, and the pansy can be four and five inches in diameter, and then variations thereof. But, but the viola itself will take the heat much, much better than the pansy. They're actually very, very showy. they got a bunch of different colors. This one I brought here was purple and gold, but there's yellows, 
uh, there's pinks, there's a lot of variations. So if you want to get an early start and you're scared about the pansy, the viola is a good one. It does give you some, some very vibrant colors that, uh, that hang in really, really, really good all winter long. And, by the way, the viola itself will take the cold just as good as the pansy. The pansy will take zero degrees, and so will the viola. And believe it or not, the flower itself doesn't freeze. Let me just say the flower does freeze, but it doesn't go bad. And it's pretty pretty amazing when you think about it. And uh, uh, but anyway, so violas. If you want to get an early start, pansies. You're just starting, but there's no big rush. And then I brought, of course, the uh, snapdragon, and those can can be planted now. And the big reason they call a snapdragon uh, snapdragon is mm-hmm. because when you pinch the flower itself, it looks like a dragon snapping, right? Something is snapping, right? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> but no my mom planted those and i loved doing that as a kid that's right so yeah so so the listeners didn't know that that's what it gets his name and then you just kind of kind of squeeze the uh the base of the flower itself and it kind of opens and closes it looks like uh looks like a dragon opening his mouth and uh snapping i bought a leaf of this right here jeff and this is uh uh one big one that people are, are questioning uh, people are starting to plant a ton of this, and this is a clumping bamboo or a hedge bamboo. If you go down 182, there's a bunch of this planted down yeah. 182, a bunch planted at Squirrel Run, in front of Squirrel Run, and uh, it works great as a privacy hedge. Now, bamboo can be a scary item, uh, Jeff, because bamboo can be very aggressive. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And, and so if it's planted in the wrong spot, it could be a nightmare. And uh, so clumping bamboo is a key word as opposed to running bamboo. Running bamboo means that it can shoot a sprout sprout 12 feet away, and it'll pop up and start a plant 12 feet away. (laughs) Whereas the clumping bamboo, it does get bigger, but it it stays as a clump, and slowly the clump gets bigger. So this right here, if you're maintaining both sides of the plant, meaning as on a hedgerow where you're cutting the grass on one side and you're cutting the grass on the other side, it will never... Uh, overtake the lawn. Now, if you put a clumping or a running bamboo in a flower bed, for example, where you're not cutting it, it will it will slowly and progressively start to sprout within the flower bed itself, and that can be a nightmare. So that's a, an example of you, you want to be able to maintain around it. The good thing about these these bamboos, Jeff, is that they'll take as much cold as we'll ever get. They are fast growing. And uh, they'll, this will get about 12 feet tall. So if, no you're, looking, if you're looking for something, a, a screen. Does it stay that thinnish? No, it's going to be thick. You won't be able to see through it at all. Okay. And uh, so it's going to be very solid. Again, there's some great, if you go down 182 toward Lafayette, more closer, much closer than Yardbury, there's a big line of them that was just planted maybe five or six years ago. And, uh, and, and also in front of Scroll Run. And, uh, but it's going to be very, very thick. And uh, as long as you can let it kind of flop down, you wouldn't want to plant this too near a driveway because when it gets wet, it's going to hang. So if it's 12 feet tall and it gets wet and it hangs, it's going to hang six feet. And so it's going to, if you plant it right next to the driveway, you're going to have to maintain it. So not that it can't be planted. I've seen it planted and it's beautiful, but you're just going to have to maintain that hedge by cutting it so that you can drive straight through it. And, uh, but if you, if you're, you know, uh, six or eight feet away, you'll be fine, and you can let it do what it naturally wants to do. So there's no bug issues, so no spraying issues. And if you plant in the right location, you don't really have to hedge it and maintain it as a hedge. However, Jeff, I've seen it where they box it. You know how they do boxwoods where they make that little square sure. box? Well, they'll actually do this with hedge bamboo. Gorgeous. Now, 
I mentioned earlier that hedge bamboo grows very fast. Therefore, you're going to be hedging it often to give it that good scalped and uh, uh, maintained square hedge look. But the problem is, is that uh, it's gorgeous, but it just takes more maintenance to do that. So if you let it naturally do what it wants to do, uh, it's a low-maintenance hedge. But there's a lot of ways you can go about it. But it is hardy, doesn't freeze back, and uh, just real popular right now for whatever reason. So you would sell what size? It comes in like a, like a 10-inch container. They, they vary in size, but right now they're about three or four feet tall. And so I tell people the first year, actually, you know, normally when plants are sell, the first year you not get a lot of growth of it, but you'll probably get a 12-inch of growth out of this thing the first year. But after that, stand back. I mean, it could shoot six feet in one season. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so really in about three years, you can have a, a – Pretty solid hedge, maybe eight feet tall, which is really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, like and uh, and again, they they uh, hardy and they do extremely well. Tell you what, though, uh, with my bamboo, and I used it to line a fence, uh, sort of for privacy, but also for look because I like the look. Mm-hmm. But it, I never had problems where it came away more than say six inches from the plant. Okay, yeah, the, the you know the original ones I planted. Right, and they they stayed in a very tight area, never popped up in a weird place. So that's clumping, so that's clumping bamboo, as opposed to running bamboo. But I didn't get the kind of growth you that get, you're talking about. You didn't get the growth. Well, there's different kinds. I mean, it, it slowly came up, but yeah, and well, there's also how tall is it now? I think they took it down. Uh, okay, all right. So so the, the bottom line is this dwarf bamboo that yeah. only gets uh, three feet tall. And so, so, but I'm surprised you didn't get the growth. Now, did they, did they, were they? Oh, no, it filled in nicely where I wanted it. Right. You know, along the fence line. Right. But it never really shot away from the fence like a lot of people fear it does. Right. Or it didn't go on the other side of the fence. Right. Were they, was that grass on both sides? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the reason. So that's the reason. So if, you, if you're maintaining it on either side. So, yeah, if you're cutting it, uh, if, you, you probably don't notice that some but, of it's coming up. Yeah, you won't notice it, but it, it won't. I mean, it, it'll it'll stay within that, but it'll get thicker where you're not yeah, where you're not maintaining exactly, it. So exactly. it'll get thicker, but that's what clumping bamboo does, as opposed to running it will pop up in the lawn, and it, and still you can maintain it because you're because you're cutting the lawn. But yeah. if you let the lawn get away from you and you don't cut it for a little while, it'll just it'll overtake it. Wow. And so, uh, so yeah, that's the key to this bamboo. That's why you can't put any bamboo in a flower bed where you're not maintaining it. And that it'll go into the bed and slowly take over that bed. Gotcha. Anything else uh, you wanted to share before Jeff, we I let think, you go? I think that's it. Always a pleasure. Uh, open seven days a week yet? Not yet. We six days. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, especially gumbo cook-off. I mean, come on. Come there on. you go. You need a day off. Anyway, Richard, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, Jeff.